Blog Talk Radio. language pathologist and welcome to the podcast teach me to talk i'm so excited that you joined me today for this show and let's just get right to it several months ago like the beginning of the year maybe the end of january even i sent out requests to everyone on my email list and asked what do you want me to talk about on the podcast Send me your questions. What do you want me to write posts about? What can I help you with? And it's so funny, and I've mentioned this before, I got lots and lots and lots of responses, and I could group them into categories, and I bet I got half dozen of uh, this same kind of question, some version of why can't this child use phrases, what's going on. So I picked one of these um, questions to read, but just know that there were lots more, and that's and but the this one is so good because she provided some details that I think are really really interesting. So let's just go through this, and let me just say this is a pretty common issue in late talking where it takes a long time to get single words going. You know, you, you just work and work and work and work, and you finally get single words. And then what do we do as therapists right away, or even as parents? Boy, we're not satisfied with that. (laughs) We want to hear phrases. We want to keep it moving, and that is fantastic. But it is a pretty common problem. And we'll walk through this email from this therapist. I forgot her name, and actually I don't even know if she gave me permission to use her name. So it's a a good thing I don't even have it here, so don't mess that up. But some of the details that she provided here are really, really common things that I hear. And we're also going to talk about some of these other situations, too, when kids aren't moving as quickly toward phrases as we would like. We'll talk about some of those reasons. And the second most important thing we're going to talk about uh, would be strategies to help you move a child forward. And sometimes it really depends on the reason why we think a child isn't using phrases yet and so some of you may have to do some detective work and if you're a therapist you're used to that that's our whole job (laughs) we are little private investigators for every client we see and really get to dig in with the details and decide why is why is uh, what's a possible explanation for why this child is having so much difficulty with this and then if you're a parent you of course do that too with why isn't my child sleeping why isn't my child eating why is he crying again those kinds of things. So you're used to this, but I want you to put on your little detective hats again today if you're thinking about this for a particular child on your caseload or your own child. And let me just say, if you're a therapist, this is a problem that we hear pretty often. So if you find yourself in the same situation as this therapist does, where this seems to be happening a lot to her, know that that you can take these same strategies and these same little investigatory is that even a word investigative that would be a better word (laughs) i think that's a real word investigative tips for thinking why isn't this child using phrases yet and you'll be able to apply this to your entire caseload and for the rest of your career so it is so important to learn what could be going on and then what you do in each particular situation so let's just get going with this question and again if you're a therapist i'm sure you're going to identify with this she says i feel like i often go through the steps of working on the 11 pre-linguistic skills that you talk about and let's talk about talking 
And just a little side note, Let's Talk About Talking is my newest therapy manual, released it in October or the fall of 2017. So this is April of 2018, so it's been out for about six months now. And by the way, I cannot believe that. It's been the fastest six months of my life because it feels like it was just yesterday that it was finally done. Um, but the uh, pre-linguistic skills, let me just say, those are the skills that children have to acquire before they really become effective communicators. Now, talking is different than communicating. Talking is just saying words, and we know that we have lots of little friends who do seem to be able to pop out words, but they've not yet associated meaning with those words. They're not using those words to effectively communicate messages to parents. So there is a difference between talking and communicating. But I call that book, Let's Talk About Talking, because it's catchy. <laughs> and secondly, because that's, parents don't think about talking and communicating as different things. They think about those as the same. And actually, as therapists, we do too until we kind of dig down and until we meet children who are saying lots of words but who aren't yet using those words directed toward another person to get what they want, to ask for what they need, to comment, to share a situation. They're not, again, all those different pragmatic or language use functions. They're not able to do that. They're just talking. And so they've got the talking piece. They don't have the communicating piece. So there are children, again, who talk but who aren't communicating. But that book, Let's Talk About Talking, really digs into that whole myriad of problems when children aren't yet using words. And so there are 11 definitive skills that we can trace to this diagnosis usually involves a weakness in these prelinguistic skills. This diagnosis involves weakness in this area, which would leads again, to or has resulted in not talking. So that's what she's talking about here is she says, hey, I feel like I work on these prelinguistic skills with kids, and this is what she says happens to her. And, and again, I want to say this is not the first therapist to write me this kind of email since that book was released. A lot of people say, hey, I'm working on all that, but I'm still – Something's still missing. Let me just say, in most of those cases, it's not that those children don't haven't demonstrated little episodes of those skills. It's that those skills are not strong and stable yet. And so I would say to you, as a therapist, if you're feeling like this therapist, and this happens a lot, kids, she's going to tell us some specifics in a second, but she's kind of saying, hey, I'm still stu stuck. I'm doing the right things, but I'm still stuck. I would, I would really issue a cautionary statement here and say, you got to still back up and look at it. A kid can't just exhibit one of these prelinguistic skills once or twice and you say, got it, boom, move on. That's not the way it works. These skills have to be mastered. Kids have to really do these things consistently and effectively before we really stop working on it and move on and work on, on something else. And here's the truth. All of those 11 prelinguistic skills that are listed in that book, as adults, you still use those things every single day. So in effect, you are still mastering those skills. You are still honing your ability to do those skills. So you can't, if there's a problem, if a kid hasn't moved on to communicating, to talking, there's really no answer beyond those things. We have to strengthen those areas and don't just chunk out the book or chunk out the chart or whatever you're thinking and say this stuff doesn't work. You got to dig deeper. <laughs> and again, make sure that children really own those skills and that those those whatever issue it is, not that they just would use, let's say a kid's not using nonverbal communication that he's not using gestures. He can't just wave bye-bye 
you know, one time to daddy in the morning and then point one time in the afternoon and you say, gestures, got it. That's not how it works. He has to use gestures all day long. He has to use a variety. So we have to look at that quantity and the quality piece. Is he doing it a lot, so the frequency? And then is he doing more than one or two little gestures? He has to have lots of gestures. And you have to see evidence that he can use gestures all day long. And, again, I just use gestures as as an example there. You can go back and apply that to any of those 11 pre-linguistic skills, any of those 11 areas, and you want to make sure that you are really digging down. And parents have a hard time with that because they, they do just think, oh, let's say, response to people. They'll say, oh, he smiled at me this morning. But they're not really thinking about, does he call does he does he respond when lots of different people call his name does he try to respond to his grandmother when he sees her does he try to interact with a you know just a regular dude who's talking to him in the grocery store line so you can't just take these little episodic instances and think oh he's got it it's got to be a skill that you can recognize and see and talk about and really know that a child has mastered before we say, yes, that's not a problem anymore. So that would be my advice, my initial advice, just reading this first little line. And I do that a lot when I get an email from, I got an email from a great mom, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago now, who said, hey, I've gone through the list and none of these is the reason my child isn't talking. And I I replied back and said, hey, you missed the strong and stable part. (laughs) Go back and look at that again. Flip through that book again. Unless he's doing all these things all day long, he again, he's not met the prerequisites. And that's what this whole that whole system or that whole approach is about, is really looking at all, each of those 11 areas and making sure that all of those skills, again, to borrow Dr. James McDonald's words, beautiful description here, strong and stable. So that's my first piece of advice for this. She says, so... She feels like she often goes through those steps of working on the 11 pre-linguistic skills. She says the kids build up a lot in their play skills, and they even start to sign, and eventually they get to single words. Then I feel like we plateau. And she says, I have one little girl specifically who I'm feeling this way with. She will be two in March. So this is April. She's already turned two. She sent me this probably, I think, in February. She said she was a preemie, and she was getting OT services before she was transferred to my caseload. She was a late walker and had some low muscle tone, which the OT addressed and continues to work on. She said, I was offering consultative services, uh, and the OT, who was fabulous, with with mom, so the speech person is saying she just saw the little girl. By consultative, she means she was helping the OT and helping mom, but she wasn't seeing the little girl regularly yet. And she said, and through that, she worked on play skills, imitations, social routines, and songs. And she said she got her to the point where she's using signs and single words. Now mom reports that she's using at least 100 single words spontaneously, but she's not yet combining words into two-word phrases. And the therapist goes on to say, I've heard her use different nouns, verbs, and some adjectives, so I know she has a varied vocabulary, but she won't attempt to imitate a two-word phrase yet she readily imitates single words. And she says, am I expecting too much too fast? I feel like she has enough of the necessary skills to combine words, but she just isn't doing it yet. And so let's pick this question apart because it's never usually just one thing. Boy, I love it when it's just one thing (laughs) with a kid. When I'm working with a child or when a therapist or a parent emails me or somehow I've I'm consulting on their case, and I say, try this, and it works right away, and we all shout hallelujah and move on. That is rare. (laughs) 
normally there are several different factors that are playing in, and I think that's what's happening with this little girl, and let's just talk about some of these things, and then we'll really, really move to the the strategies part. But she says, first of all, she was a preemie, so we know that we adjust children's ages to account for their prematurity until they're 24 months. Then after 24 months, we stop that. So if you're a therapist and you're still adjusting after 24 months, or if you have parents who are saying, well, she's nearly three, but she was born six weeks early, so you know we can't really do that after 24 months because, and you need to discourage parents from doing that, but you need to give them an explanation. For that normal kind of catch-up growth, as I think lots of professionals refer to this kind of phase as, that catch-up growth that would naturally occur happens by 24 months. And so after 24 months, we don't adjust anymore because then that's a bona fide delay. That's not really due to prematurity anymore. That's usually due to another factor, and that's what I was just talking about. It's never usually just one thing. There are several factors that are contributing to this. So that's what I tell parents, and I say, you know, I know that you're going to think about her as a preemie probably till she's 25, <laughs> and that's fine because she's yours, and I get it, and, boy, am I super protective and sensitive and every kind of mama bear instinct that you could imagine. I have that about my own children. I mean, I have it about kids that I see on my caseload, but, boy, do I have it about my own kids who, again, are 28, 26, and almost 22. And so parents probably think about their children as premature, kind of getting a later start or whatever forever, but you have to say that's not the reason. There's something else that's going on. So that's why we quit adjusting for that prematurity at that second birthday. And so then she goes on to say, so it's not just that she was a preemie. She had some other complications that that continued with her. So this muscle tone issue, she was a late walker. She didn't say when she walked, but she's, you know, she's turning two and she's walking so we would assume that you know that's later than that 12 to 18 month period had some low muscle tone ot address it and continues to work on let me just say anytime we have children with muscle tone issues that have resulted in things like late walking or you know they're they're missing their gross motor milestones and their fine motor milestones it will affect the rate at which they acquire words because their system is different they are not starting out with muscle tone that we consider to be in that normal range. She has characterized her as low muscle tone. So for parents who haven't heard that term before, and if your child has been diagnosed with hypotonia or low muscle tone, you you, you know what this means. But for other parents, just think about um, maybe uh, you could see some evidences of that. Again, they might not feel as strong to you. They feel a little floppy. Their little faces might look a little droopy. Sometimes parents have said to me, she always kind of looks like she's sad when she's sitting there. And I say, that's low muscle tone. You know, she, we might think about as a, that as an emotion or personality or whatever. But, I mean, really she's starting out with with muscle tone that's just not quite as tight as we, and again, this is a really kind of, <laughs> it's not kind of, it's a layman's explanation but those are terms that parents understand, and I like to keep it real with parents and not talk over anybody's head or, you know, meet parents where they are too. So if they're if those explanations, and even if they are highly educated parents, sometimes we can just talk ourselves into a circle 
trying to be as professional as possible when we really should use everyday language. So that that's kind of a descriptor with low muscle tone that parents who are having difficulty really understanding the everyday manifestations of low muscle tone might relate to more than if you keep using words like hypotonia and things that are really that in that professional jargon realm. So any child who has a predisposition, which low muscle tone would be, to their little systems not being, again, in that normal range, just know it's going to take longer and it's going to be harder. And so with low muscle tone, kids have to work harder to do things than kids who have normal muscle tone have to do because it just requires more effort. And talking is not exempt from that because we use muscles to talk. Muscles in our lungs push up that air. There are diaphragms there, not in your lungs. But, you know, in your core, your core muscles push that air up over your vocal folds, and that that's how you produce sound. And then your mouth muscles shape that air so that it comes out and sounds differently. And, again, that's a real basic explanation, but that's what parents need to hear. And so you say when she has that lower muscle tone, which results in weakness or she's going to require extra effort, can you see how how using a two-word phrase would be more difficult than a single word? Absolutely. It's double the duration <laughs> with a phrase if you just think about it in its most simplistic terms. She has to do she has to produce twice as much to get that a two-word phrase out as she would a one-word phrase or a one-word single word. So think about that to begin with. She's naturally going to have to have more effort. Is it impossible? Absolutely not. And let me just say something about muscle tone, too. All of us are, are have a range of muscle tone. When we look at Olympians, let's think about runners like track stars. You can see their you know, beautiful physical specimens when you look at their arms and their legs and their core, you know, just total muscle, so lean, so efficient as they're running their races. And you can see, gosh, they have, you know, look at that muscle tone. Whereas all of us, even those of us, you know, who are not athletic at all, we we may still be in that normal range, but if we're looking kind of at the whole thing, we're a little bit on the lower end. So my point here is there's a big range of muscle tone. Even though we're saying normal and low and high, all of us fit somewhere in that that global range. And that's something to really explain to parents, too, if you're a therapist and help them think about all right, so back to this. So the muscle tone is a contributing factor here. And she was early, even though she's a premature baby, even though she's over two yet, you know, that was still a factor in getting those single words going. And anytime single words are delayed, we know it's going to take a little longer for her to be able to do phrases. So those are our two contributing factors so far. But, guys, she's making good progress. She started using some signs, so she's got some fine motor control, so that's fantastic. That means that little muscle tone is moving along, and she's doing some single words. So here's here's where we get down to the even kind of more of a contributing factor or something that potentially could be. Mom reports that she uses at least 100 single words spontaneously, but she's not yet combining words into two-word phrases. And the therapist says... I've heard her use different nouns, verbs, and some adjectives, so I know she has a varied vocabulary. That's fantastic, and that's a great starting point. And if you are working with a child who is not yet 
using phrases, and even if you're a parent, the first thing you have got to do is get a good idea of what their spontaneous vocabulary is. Now, let's talk about the differences in spontaneous vocabulary versus whatever you hear a kid say. When I say spontaneous vocabulary, that means a word that she says on her own without any prompting or cueing. And the only way to really know what kids are doing on their own is to keep a word journal, or as speech pathologists would say, a language sample. But I call it a word journal when I talk with parents, and I have them do it over a two- to three-day period. It's easy now since, you know, the old-fashioned way, when I first started working, I would tell parents, hey, put a list up on your refrigerator, and every time you hear her say something on your her own, not something that she's repeating after you and not something that you say or really cueing, working hard to get her to say, don't count those words, but only count the words that she says completely on her own. Put it on your refrigerator. Let's do it for 48 hours, 72 hours, and then we'll kind of look at where we are. Sometimes parents are really surprised by that because sometimes they have many, many, many more words than a parent has given them credit for. But lots of times, guys, they hardly have any of the words that parents thought they were saying. And so it is eye-opening just to do that little exercise. Now, now that everybody has fancy phones, parents can keep a little list on their phone or however they want to do it. You know, who cares? What, what, whatever works for whatever family you're talking about. But that word journal is really important. Now, if you're a therapist and you're thinking, I can never get a parent to do that because they don't have time, they're not with their child, they're in daycare. And I've asked daycare teachers and preschool teachers to do this before. That is really an unreasonable request for most teachers because they have lots and lots of other little people who are in their char under their care, uh, you know, under their charge. And so you can't always expect that for that to be accurate. Even if you've got some data, you couldn't really trust it because what teacher who's taking care of 10 or 15 other l little friends, who has time for that? So unless a parent is super committed to doing it, um, you're probably not going to get accurate information. So so what do you do in that situation? I just really try super hard over not just one session but over two or three sessions to keep a running list. And so I just do it and again I am a very simple old school kind of girl with this and I'll just keep a, a sheet of paper in their folder or however I'm tracking their data if I'm you know using a computer whatever I'm doing and just uh, do a language sample, and I make sure that I do that over the course of several sessions. And again, I'm super, super picky about whether it's a spontaneous word or an imitated word, and I do not count it as part of their vocabulary unless it's spontaneous. And I'll tell you the truth, I really don't count it unless I've heard it several times, because remember, we're back to that strong and stable point. We want to be sure that children are really, 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 really have mastered a word before we think about it as being part of their existing vocabulary. So that's the first thing. And and I'm just saying, too, lots of times I've seen it over and over and over and over and over again where parents overestimate a child's vocabulary. So be sure that you're really making sure that she has a 100-word vocabulary before we're really eager to say um, that that's what it is. Now let me just say this. Here Here's the kicker. We know from typical language development that children do not begin to combine 
words on their own to make their own little versions of phrases until they have mastered between 35 and 50 words in their expressive vocabulary. So that's why the therapist is saying, you know, she has well, you know, she, her her vocabulary has well exceeded what when we normally expect phrases to emerge. We know that in typical development, when a kid has between 35 and 50 words, phrases just magically appear. That's the beauty of normal development. So that's why she's looking for that number. My my caution here would be go back and make sure that she really is using 35 to 50 words consistently because if she's not, if her words are still pretty random, that's what you have to do is just double down and work on consistency, work on frequency, work on variety within making sure you're hitting that 35 to 50 words. And I'll just tell you, if I can't get a kid, if I can't hear 35 to 50 different words over two to three sessions, then I know that that kid truly is at the single word level and somebody has overestimated estimated that vocabulary size and then it's still not a bad thing all you have to do <laughs> is is increase the frequency that we're hearing those words that aren't as consistent as we would like for them to be sometimes it's just a matter of gi- giving a child more opportunities to talk where we are just setting up more situations where they're talking some children who are just naturally more quiet by their nature just uh, their temperament, their personality, we've just got to do everything we can to get them revved up a little bit, uh, which is so common in children with low muscle tone. Because of that low muscle tone, they do tend to run a little on the low arousal side. So you may have to do more things that involve more physical activity, more you know, ramp it up, bump it up, <laughs> however you want to think about it, so that they are in a more heightened state of arousal and can talk with less effort because we have their little bodies more regulated and, again, they're a little more up, more aroused, so that they are using words more frequently. That that might be part of it. It's just really getting that piece going in addition to looking at, okay, what are some words that she uses pretty randomly? How can we make those more consistent? So that's our first uh, recommendation and our first strategy here with with what we're doing with that. Make sure that she really, really, really is using that many words on her own. All right, and and then secondly, get that little system, because of the low tone, revved up, ratcheted up, so that she is able to talk and, again, that frequency piece, that qualitative piece. You're hearing words much, much, much more consistently than you were before. So make sure she's doing that. All right, so she goes on to say she won't attempt to imitate a two-word phrase, yet she readily imitates single words. All right, that's some important information. We can't really expect a child to use phrases on her own until she's imitating a lot of phrases on her own. So the therapist has identified her problem here. She's saying... You know, not only am I not hearing these phrases yet, but she's just doing a ton of single words. And again, this seems to be the uh, a little a little more common on this particular therapist caseload because remember earlier in the question she said, "I feel like this happens a lot." So we've got to start looking at what are some things that this therapist can put in place earlier to make sure this doesn't happen with as many children as she seems to be encountering this with. And let me just say, too, now late talkers as a group are going to have more difficulty moving from single words to phrases, like I already said, because they had trouble getting single words in the first place. And this is really characteristic of children with language delays. 
they plateau. They stay at the same developmental level much, much, much longer than any of us would like, and that's just part of the language delay That's just or disorder. That's just part of what's going on with them. And so we, you know, she even says this. She says, am I expecting too much too fast? My answer would be probably not because if she truly has 100 words, we know that she's ready for this. So we have to put some strategies in place to uh, help her, as I say, make the leap from words to phrases so she can she can get over that hump here. All right, so how do we get her to uh, – before we get to the imitation thing, let me say one more thing here. And I started saying it and I got off track. We have to do some things sooner as therapists to be sure, again, that we are not contributing to that problem, <laughs> that we don't realize, hey, every kid on my caseload has this problem. Hmm, could it possibly be me? And, again, <laughs> we're not saying that it's not a problem for all late talkers. Of course it is because that's why we're there. But, but the, the point is if all the kids that I'm seeing, if no kid that I'm seeing, if this is a problem in, in most children that I'm seeing, hey, some of this I, I can do something probably. I can change some things probably to make this easier. And remember what I always say about this. We have to start with ourselves. It is much easier to change us as adults and the things that we do <laughs> first than to change a child. And so let's look at ourselves. What are some things that we can do? Now, we've already said we're going to analyze that vocabulary. We're going to make sure that she has enough base, an, enough core vocabulary. So remember that 50, 35 to 50. 35 is almost on the, uh, you know, it's on the low end of that. I really like for kids to have about 50 words, 50 to 75 words before I really start to think about phrases. So she's already gotten that piece and we want to make sure that those are consistent and she already alluded to this too we want to make sure that there's a big variety in um, different categories of words and she already talked about that you know I've heard a lot of nouns I've heard some verbs I've heard a few adjectives so that's the next thing that you do you take that word list that you already have and if you if a kid has 50 words and 45 of them are nouns you're going to have a problem because you know it is really really hard to make a phrase or lots of different phrases with all those nouns. Now, you might be able to say, you know, mommy's hair, daddy's truck. Those things make a ton of sense. And children do use phrases like that, but they've got to have some action words or some verbs. They have to have some uh, prepositions. She didn't really say anything about that. She said some adjectives. So look at your different parts of speech here. Nouns, naming words, verbs or action words, prepositions or location words, so in, out, on, off up, down, think about those kinds of words, here, there, you know, where locations, words that show locations. Pronouns are another really, really important word class here. So we're the, the best pronoun to use for any two-year-old who's you're trying to get to phrases is my or mine because you can pair my with all those nouns <laughs> that she has, my ball, my shoes, my cup, my mama, <laughs> my bed. Any of those things, my is you know a fantastic. So think about pronouns there. You and I come a little later, but any version of my, my, me, mine, those are excellent, excellent additions to vocabulary. And that's really a word that you can teach in a session or two. Certainly, if you're pairing it with a sign, and if a child is already talking, and if you are taking things from them and saying, you know, um, my block, my car, my puzzle. Model that for a session or two. Oh my goodness, it's really 
fairly easy to get that word going. If you've taken my course, Early Speech Language Development, Taking Theory to the Floor, there's a little girl named Kelly in there that I worked with. That it's it's on video. The example of that is just beautiful because she was a kid in the same situation, not using any kind of phrases on her own. And I try, I, I show some where I'm trying to get her to pair more. We're playing with a puzzle, and I try to get her to pair more with the name of the puzzle piece. Uh, you know, more cat, more dog, more bird. She couldn't do any of that, so I took my own advice here. Oh, and I tried other patterns too, like cat in. We tried to, you know, switch it where her established word was the first word rather than the second word. We can certainly do some things with the word order there to see if it makes a difference. She couldn't do any of that, but I took my own advice and switched to my and started acting like I was going to own the puzzle piece and not let her have it. And, oh, boy, she got it quickly. She quickly moved to my plus another word. So that's a really easy kind of trick to get get that thing going. So make sure that you are looking at word classes here and even words like requesting words. She She said she had some adjectives, but look at words like please and more and again. And look at negation. Will she say no plus another word? Developmentally, this little girl who's just turned two may not quite be there because a lot of kids don't get that until closer to 30 months. But that's certainly something that she can think about as well. So make sure you may have to really work on vocabulary development a little bit more before you can really expect those phrases. The next piece that I think is probably what's going on here, she did not say if most of these little girls words were single syllables, but that's my suspicion, is that if we really, really looked at her word list, there would be, you know, it would just be predominantly single syllables. So this little girl may have a problem sequencing two syllables together. So that's another thing that this therapist could look at. Is she just saying ma for mama? Is she just saying bye instead of bye-bye? Does she have any other instances or examples of uh, two syllables together? Now, reduplicated or reduplicative syllables are the best to try to work on that sequencing piece. So if there is a kid that you see just says like mo for Elmo or um, cookie, he just says cook or he just says key, you've got to really help him get those learn how to sequence because that's a big barrier here. So look at that. So those uh, words, that's, words that have the same syllable, mama, dad, dad, night, night, bye-bye, bye-bye for bottle. Try those kinds of things. Animal sounds are great for this too. You know, woof, woof for a dog or bye-bye for a sheep or, you know, ah-ah for quack, quack for a duck. Even if you're not getting all those consonants in there, don't worry about that. Your your goal here is to get two syllables together with as many consonants as you can, but you're really, really looking at those vowels. So make sure that a child can do that. Sometimes children need to even stay at this level and do some sequencing. Just with everyday practice, say if you were going up the stairs, up, 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 or down the stairs, down, down, down. Try to really talk to parents about how we can get those one-word sequences and that mom needs to work on that all day, every day. And, again, sound effects are fun for that, too. And kids tend to, toddlers like that because it's novel. 
So think about how you can incorporate some of those things, too, as you're playing, and just work on sequencing there. Singing is another way to work on sequencing. Even if a kid, let's say a, a simple song like Row, Row Your Boat, instead of singing all those words, Row, Row, Row Your Boat, Gently Down the Stream, just sing Row, 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 Row. And again, that R is hard. We don't care about an R for a two-year-old. If she's saying, whoa, 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 your boat, that's okay. Or, oh, 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 oh. It's the sequencing piece that might be a hard time, giving her a hard time. That might be the real problem. So look at that as well and see if sequencing isn't what might be going on here. The easiest strategy, too, that you want to get going, and I've already alluded to this three or four times, and I can't, I keep, Moving on to something else is get expansion going really, really earlier with all of your kids. And so what I mean by expansion is when a child says a single word, you repeat that word and you add another word to it. So if she's, if you're playing with cars and she says, go, you say, go, car. <laughs> If she says go, you say go fast. If she says go, you say go bye-bye. Add it with another word. It's best if you can pick a word from her existing vocabulary. But sometimes we can't do that, and we just say, especially parents, and they just say another word that the child doesn't yet use. That's okay, too. The important thing is that a, a child is hearing those two-word phrases. And you want to go for variety here. Don't let parents get stuck in patterns. Sometimes, and boy, if you're a therapist, you are going to recognize this example. You'll talk to a parent about expansion, and they're trying, but all they can think of to do is a color word <laughs> plus what they're talking about. So let's go back to that example with cars. If you were trying to get that little girl to add a different word just at the very initial stage of this just by her hearing you use a lot of words parents will automatically go to red car blue car black car and you have to really say no i want you to stop using those color words you are stuck on that and if you get stuck on that she's going to get stuck on that let's think about how many action words you can use let's think about how many prepositions you can use here those location words so you would say and you you're real direct with it with parents you you give them these instructions and you say, hey, listen, don't do that anymore. And don't be afraid to tell parents not to do something. You know, you don't want to be punitive and you don't want to be condescending, but you have to tell parents not only what to do, but what not to do. And so you say, hey, we're talking about expansion here, but have you noticed that you are a little bit stuck on those color words? Let's add some different words. And you sit down and you you even give some written ideas and you say, what are some what are some actions that her car's doing? Well, it's going, it's stopping, it's uh, you know, let's move on to location words. The car goes in, the car goes out. Let's do some descriptors, fast and slow. And this little girl probably doesn't have that many adjectives yet, and the therapist even said that. So you stick to other words that she already owns. You look back at that word sample and you think, how many of these different words can we put with the word car and have it make sense to this little girl as we're playing? So you do that expansion and you tell the mom, listen, she's got to hear it and 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 hear it. And hear it before she's going to be able to do it on her own. So your only homework this week is not to try to get her to say two-word phrases. Your homework for this next couple of weeks is to get her, it's on you. You've, she's got to hear a lot of two-word phrases, and she can't hear them unless you purposefully insert them into what you're doing. And so you tell a mom, 
anytime she says a single word, I want you to repeat what she said and add a new word and do not get stuck in that same similar pattern. However, there is a caveat, guys. <laughs> you want her hearing a lot of variety here, but some children, when they begin to do two-word phrases, it's so hard to get that variety at the beginning. So for some children, you really might have to use just a really limited number of words as their anchor word. So let's go back to that example with, let's say we're playing with cars and trucks and so let's say that our let's say our our anchor word here is uh, let's change it let's say that it's go let's say go is one of her action words and then we're going to pair it with a lot of different words so if we're playing with cars we're going to do go car go truck go bike you know whatever whatever vehicle that you're playing with there and you're going to practice and intermingle those and even if you only have two or three different kinds of vehicles go plane you know who cares She's got to really own that pattern first. Anchor words are really, really important like that. The anchor word there might be car, you know, car go, car stop, uh, car in, car out, car up, car down, my car, or car mine, my mama's car, car mama's, whatever. And, again, change that that word positioning. It might be the first word in the phrase. She might do better if her anchor word is the second word in the phrase. So really mess around some with that. If she has some of those requesting words like more or please or again, those are also natural anchors. So that if you have, what I like to do with this is if a kid really, and lots of toddlers love to eat junk food, and they don't get junk food very much unless, <laughs> um, you know, that's one of the things, that, a treat kind of that we've saved just for speech therapy. And so let's say that they can say cookie and fish for goldfish and maybe uh, candy for M&M. And so we would sit there with three little bowls, three little piles of cookies, little crackers, fish crackers, and a whole bowl of M&Ms. And we would use more candy, more cookie, um, more fish, and really have her solidify and own that new skill of a two-word phrase in that really limited context with more plus one of those additional words. And, again, you might have to just start out with some, a word that she says all the time. If she, if milk is one of her core keywords, practice more milk. And then you may, she may have to practice more milk, more milk, more milk for a couple of days, a couple of weeks before you can move that more to something else. If she has a motor planning problem in addition to her low muscle tone, that's exactly what you're going to have to do. And then you add in the different um, nouns to give you that variety. You don't want to let a kid get stuck here. You don't want to do this for six months, <laughs> just a couple of sessions with one key word if she's having a lot of difficulty. And listen, some kids won't need that. Some kids you'll enter, like my little friend Kelly that's on that video. And now that I'm thinking about it, that might have been in steps to building verbal imitation in toddlers rather than early speech language development, rather than that course. But she... When I found the the best keyword for her, the best anchor word for her was my, and she it was powerful for her. We quickly moved that with other words to make that variety of phrases. So some children will not need that focus practice where you're just using their anchor word plus the same noun or the same verb. Some kids, thankfully, will not need that focus practice where you have to do it for a couple of days. 
So really, really mess around with that too. And if you can get that variety right off the bat, do it. Another uh, strategy that I use is pairing bye-bye with uh, nouns, variety of nouns, so and I do it during cleanup time. So if you're cleaning up lots of toys that are on the floor, bye-bye book, bye-bye ball, bye-bye block, bye-bye baby. Practice those kinds of things. Lots of There are lots of books that you can practice that with too. So children like books might be something that you can target too. So those are just my best ways to work on helping a child get to phrases. Let me give you one more tip, and then we're going to move on. Try automatic speech, or so holistic words here, or holistic phrases here. So things like, I did it, I got it, where'd it go? There it is, right there, no way, oh, man. All those little phrases. Now, don't kid yourself. You can't really, as a therapist, give a child credit for using spontaneous two-word phrases when all of their phrases fall into this holistic meaning that it's one one whole word to them. They don't separate those as individual words in this phrase. And that's okay. And some children need this holistic phrase practice. They need a core little set of before they're able to move on to phrases. So that helps with the sequencing piece, too, and it kind of helps them get the idea of, oh, it's going to be longer than just this one little syllable here. I've got to put more sounds together. So look at a holistic word list. Now, let me just say I wrote a good article about this, gosh, years and years and years ago, and it's called Making the Leap from Words to Phrases. Uh, you can find that at Teach Me to Talk at my website, or just Google it, Google Making the Leap from Words to Phrases, uh, Laura Mize, or Teach Me to Talk, and you will get this post as a way to help you. And it also helps when you have a written handout for parents. And even if parents, let's say they don't, you, you don't even have time to do that, just send them the link and say, hey, take a look at this post. This has some good ideas in here for us. And just work through those strategies together. And that might be what you would do for most of your session the next time you see them and say, hey, we're going to try these different things, but I want us to talk about them first. And then you read through this post together. You do some of these ideas. You pick out two or three strategies that you think are most applicable in that situation with that child. You do them together. Then at the end of the session, you say, hey, let's review this. Let's figure out what you need to do between now and the next time I see you. Here's your homework. And, again, you're really talking about this, and you are, you know, that introduce-do-review parent coaching model that I talk about all the time. You're introducing, hey, here's this problem. Your child's not using phrases. Here are the strategies that we're going to use. Let me introduce these ideas to you. And then you guys do them together in the session, and then at the end of the session you review. You say, okay, now let's talk about this with phrases. Remember, you're going to be doing expansion, which means every time you hear her say a word, you add a word to it. And remember, I don't want you to get stuck with the same pattern. I want you to really be as uh, varied as you can be and use lots of different kinds of words because we want her doing that eventually too. And unless she hears it, she can't do it. And so you say, and the next little strategy you're going to do is you're going to practice one-word sequences. So you really review the things that you did that worked in the session. And you're saying, and listen, next time I see you, we're going to do this again. And we may add one more new little thing from this post that we haven't tried yet. So use that model as well where you're really talking about what you're going to do within a session, doing it with the parent and the child, and then reviewing what you're doing at the end and setting the stage for what you'll do next time. Guys, if we can get that purposeful and that <laughs> direct when we are working with families, gosh, all of our kids are going to make 
much, much, much better progress than if we didn't take the time to plan it and produce it, do it, and review it. All right. Hope I helped you with this today. Love getting these questions. Send me some more. Hey, Alara. That's awesome. Thanks.